It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I am Will. I'm Ed. I'm Heidi. I'm Elizabeth. Today, we are pleased to be joined by one of the hosts of the Nutty Bites podcast. Say hello to Nutty. Hello, Hello, everyone. Hi. Come aboard. Thank you. Thank you very much. Really privileged to have you here. You've been around in podcasting for a long time, haven't you? I am the podcast ninja. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, Nutty, how did you become introduced to Babylon 5? Well, Babylon 5 is really interesting because uh, where I lived, when Babylon 5 came out, it was opposite uh, Star Trek TNG and Deep Space Nine. Uh, They were on WPIX and whatever UPN was before that, Channel 9 had Babylon 5. And I was just too much of a Trekkie to not watch Star Trek. And I knew it was a five-year story, so I just couldn't get into it after that because I couldn't just jump right in. And then several years ago, uh, the Sci-Fi Dig podcast, Aaron was going through Babylon 5 reviews and he was doing episode by episode. And I was really getting into it. Even though I hadn't seen the series, I said, well, it's been so long, I'm never going to see it. So I just started listening to it. Um, I was driving up from New York to Nova Scotia right after my wedding. I had a big old U-Haul truck filled with my stuff moving. And my and I'm playing the Sci-Fi Dig episodes. I had maybe you know six of them back to back. And my husband had seen Babylon Five, and he's like, "These are really good reviews." He's, "But wait, you've never seen it?" I'm like, "No, but the story is so interesting. I have to listen to these reviews." So maybe two weeks later, he picked up season one for us, and we started watching it together. And I watched it with my husband straight through, and it was fantastic. I fell in love with it, and it's just. I am now one of those people that, you know, when talking about space series says, oh, but Babylon 5 got it so right about so many things. Yeah, and that's yeah, me. Cool. Now. So I watched it completely spoiled. Oh, but it didn't oh. change my enjoyment at all. Um, I loved every bit of it, and all the surprises still surprised me because I was so engrossed in the story. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, cool. I hope you keep following along with us. Oh, absolutely. I am enjoying the podcast so much. It's <laughs> It's so oh, much fun listening right. to you guys go through it. <laughs> well, today we are here to talk about the fifth, fifth episode of season one called The Parliament of Dreams. But first, here's an ISN report. This is an ISN special report. Babylon 5 recently hosted a week-long celebration of the religious beliefs of each of the races on board the station. Also, we have had reports of a threat on the life of Narn Ambassador Jakar. Our sources inform us that suspicions originally fell upon Jakar's new attaché, Natoth. However, she saved his life after it was revealed that the real assassin was a member of the Assassin's Guild disguised as a courier. 
This has been your ISN Report. Uh, this episode aired on February 23rd, 1994. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed Soul Hunter. And it was written by JMS. Okay, before we start the recap, uh, I've signed an interview online. I haven't listened to it yet, but JMS did an interview with the Archive of American Television. It's He talks about his entire career, so not just Babylon 5, but what he did before and some upcoming projects, I believe. But I haven't listened to it yet because it's three and a half hours long. But <laughs> if you're interested, you can check it out at metvlegends.com. I mean, yeah, one of us should really vet it first, I think. You know, yeah, just if in you're, case. If you're a newbie, you probably don't want to listen to it. I know probably. it's divided into sections, so but I'm not sure if he mentions any B five stuff in the other sections. Do you guys know if he is publicly of a certain religion? I'm just wondering, just because of the focus on religion and stuff. Uh, he's an atheist. Is he? Yeah. I was wondering about that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, the episode begins. Uh, did you guys notice the sign at the the very first shot of the I episode? I paused it. Yes, I yeah, did. Yeah, I paused it. <laughs> it says six different atmospheres available. Others may be created on prior arrangement. Uncommon atmospheric makeups can be synthesized for encounter suits. Cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I tried to read the other ones, but they were too blurry. Yeah, I couldn't see. I thought one of them may have had a date, but I couldn't read it. Yeah, it said Earth time or earth something time and then i couldn't read the date yeah yeah the prop makers on this do nice work you know creating these signs and the newspaper from the other way mm-hmm. garibaldi uh, you see him taking a ceremonial weapon from a visitor who is upset by he says the maker of all things would not permit this another reference to the maker maybe. yep wrote that down uh, Garibaldi's aid arrives. We found out that Earth came up with this idea to have an entire week where every race on B5 demonstrates their, the dominant religious belief on their planet in their five days left in the celebration. Garibaldi recognizes a woman that arrives through customs. Yeah, I was interested to see what they would do with dominant religious belief. I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast how <clears throat> I just find it strange when you have shows or, or uh, movies that talk about like all people having the same religion um, of a race or whatever, an alien species or whatever it happens to be. So yeah. I, I know there's not time to get into that. Um, they kind of brought up uh, at the Centauri one about there was a different, you know, species or whatever. But um, yeah, I'd be yeah, interested to I... see if they ever discuss different religious beliefs on uh, the different worlds. Yeah, it was nice use of dominant, and even in the Centauri one, they've got a multitude of gods they worship, and this seemed like a gen- I mean, skip forward a bit, their scene was kind of a more a generic um, social celebration, not necessarily a religious celebration of one god, because they've got loads of household gods. Mm-hmm. They reminded me of like Romans or something. Yeah. yeah, especially with the household gods. I remember that you mentioning that on an earlier podcast, and when you mentioned it, all I could think is, that's the episode I'm going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I hope we get more of that, though. I mean, I hope we, we kind of go into it more. I'm sure we will, though. We've already, they've already brought it up multiple times. Oh, yeah, on a quick side note, one of the uh, gods uh, Ludder mentions is Morgoth, which is... Um, 
a name of a uh, godlike character from the whole J.R. Tolkien's universe. Oh, really? Yeah, the first yeah. big bad in the world. Yeah. Oh. Was was that the god with the tentacles? No, the love god? The, um, the, it was the one on the end with, you know, the gargoyle-looking one. Oh, the one who's also a god of front doorsteps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Next, we see Jakar in his quarters singing and cooking. Looks like he's really enjoying himself there. And it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and he I has love, a good voice. <laughs> yes, I love yeah. Andreas Katsoulis. He is such a fantastic actor. I assume that's him singing. Um, yeah. But I, I was so. just yes. in love with that. <laughs> he sings yes. it, doesn't it? <clears throat> and it must be well, that... an Earth song because I don't think yeah. there are any of the Narn that are named. Bonnie. <laughs> or are they yeah. just doing like an Irish Bonnie? <laughs> yeah, he is fascinated with Earth women, so probably yes, pick up a song. Yeah, yeah, this song was an original song written by Christopher Frank, who did the music for the series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. A diplomatic courier, Tupari, arrives and delivers a message to Jakar. Uh, Tupari was played by, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, Thomas Kopachi. He was in an episode of X-Files called The Walk that Intro to X did a few months ago. And he was the assistant secretary of state in a bunch of episodes of The West Wing. Huh. Jakar listens to the messages from Councilman Durag, an old associate, and he says that uh, he, Durag, will be dead by the time Jakar gets the message. And Durag... Then, yeah, sorry. Durag was played by Mark Henderson. He played a Narn captain in Midnight on the Firing Line. And Jakar is really happy, you know, <laughs> that his old associate is dying, but the message goes on to say that Jakar will also be dead. And then we go to opening credits. Yeah, just before we do, we get a great look from Jakar. Cheers. Brilliant. <laughs> just, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I like this. I like this opening. I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. I mean, we kind of already know Oh, well, at least Londo has said, you know, how he pictures something going down in the future. So, I mean, I wasn't ever worried that Jakar was going to die or anything, but um, yeah, it was kind of cool. I liked it. So after the credits, we see more of the message. We find out that Jakar humiliated Durag and Durag is going to use all of his assets to kill Jakar within the next 48 hours. And he says that my agent is already close to you. Next. Jakar's new attache Natoth enters and reports for duty. And I now have anger. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I, sorry, you two. Yeah, I know. I, the whole time I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> As we're like, oh, I love Kodoth. We need to have a whole episode of Kodoth, and it's going to be Kodoth's story. You guys are just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I sorry, I love Natoth. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, like her. I did too. But I kept hoping, like, the whole time that somehow Kodoth was gonna, like, have faked her death. <laughs> oh, I was disappointed, though. Oh. Yes, I actually wanted to dislike her because Kodoth was gone. But mm -hmm. as the episode went along, I was like, well, she's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and have... she's, not a, she's not just a Kodoth clone either, she's got no. her own personality. Yeah, she's completely different. Although I still would have liked to have Kodoth around longer. 
Yes, I agree. I mean, we can have both, right? (laughs) Apparently not. There was a problem with the airlock. Yeah, the actress who played Kodoth uh, did not like the makeup process, so she left. Natoth is played by Julie Caitlin Brown. She's been in Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. She was an episode of Baywatch Nights and also Sliders. Oh, I was just going to say, but she is not who I thought she was from Star Trek because I was watching this again and I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's Kalar. I think that's Marshall's mom. And then I looked it up and I was like, no, no, it's not. Somebody else from Star Trek. (laughs) It's hard with the makeup, I guess. Yeah, it was something about her voice, though. (laughs) I I feel like Baywatch Nights comes up so much in intro cast. I don't know why. Yeah, that's why I always... Whenever I see it, I'm thinking about Brad on... Uh Yeah. Yeah. It's all his fault. (laughs) Okay. Okay, it all stems from that. Okay. Yeah. Well, has he just gone back and just inserted all these Baywatch Nights into all these shows? And next we see Garibaldi arrive in Sinclair's quarters to warn him about Catherine's arrival. Uh, Sinclair... stop. Sinclair was smiling at himself in the mirror, okay? (laughs) He he looked at himself and he smiled like, oh, you looking good, Sinclair? (laughs) It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe he's an eighth cat. He's what? An eighth cat. Sorry, I'm... I was on the uh, Red Dwarf intro cast spoiler show earlier tonight, so I've got that on the mind. Oh. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty fun. Um, Sinclair you know, doesn't want to see her, but he does ask Garibaldi if she was with someone. Mm. So they're on their way to Londo's demonstration of a Centauri religious ceremony, which can last up to a week with lots of eating and purging. Which is also Roman, I think. Yeah, I think so. but not... Very hedonistic. Yes. Uh, so next we see the <laughs> Centauri religious ceremony. Lots of music, eating, drinking. Londo is drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Delyn seems kind of uncomfortable there. Susan, Ivana, but they seemed like they were really trying to show us that she was having a good time there. She was the only non-Centauri there really who was enjoying herself, it seemed like. Um, yeah, Delyn was there. Had no idea what to do with the food. <laughs> so this ceremony is about celebrating life it goes back to a time when the centauri defeated another species called the zon on their planet so it's interesting that they're you know they're celebrating winning and not you know mourning the defeat of the other species of the, on their planet yeah i, I, I watched this this week and realized this whole idea would made last week's episode much better if the, the thing that took over the guy was actually a Zon invention. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I really liked the the comparison that you can make between the Centauri religion and the Minbari religion, which I know we're not there yet, but, um, you know, because the Centauri celebrate life and the Minbari religious demonstration was basically all about death. And so it, it's a really cool contrast that you can kind of you can kind of even see it in the personalities a little bit of of the different races like we haven't seen a too much about the minbari because i think they're still supposed to be very mysterious to us but you can definitely see it in um in londo and in beer like you know they they love life and they love the good things in life and you know let's just be happy and have fun 
Yeah, and I think it also goes back to like their core belief system because I, from what I gather, the Centauris don't believe in reincarnation, so they're very um, oh, pardon this expression, YOLO. <laughs> yeah, they're very like oh, cool. party while we're here, yes. and we the... need to make that into a meme. Just uh, <laughs> Londo, and over his his hair crown, it just says YOLO. Exactly, and then the Membari are more like, they're kind of more mature because, you know, in essence, they they have this idea of, you know, it's just an ongoing, I guess, type thing, and I don't know, yeah, it's definitely a good contrast. I really liked seeing both of them. I wish we had seen the Narns, but... Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe, you know, you've got a story with Jakar having a non ceremony might have just overrun the episode, you just wouldn't have had time for it. Yeah. But hopefully we see it at some point. And also, um, Kosh and his and the uh, Vorlon, because <laughs> what happened to them? Let's let's see their religious ceremony, then we can um, see all the light, little balls you know. of light. Yeah. yeah. At the time, JMS said that Kosh was otherwise indisposed. Dot dot dot. Oh. <laughs> Not sure if that means anything. But, well, um, do you do you have the trivia for this scene, the filming of this scene? No, I don't. Okay, so apparently the production was running a little behind when filming of the Centauri religious ceremony. To help speed things up, Peter Jurisic improvised many of the lines and actions, including climbing onto the table and the line in purple, I am stunning. Uh, <laughs> Mia Forlan was not told what was happening, and her reaction is natural and rather fitting for the character. This was unusual for B5, as improvis- improvisation was usually not allowed due to the ongoing storyline. So I just find that hysterical that so much of that was ad-libbed. Awesome. I'm not surprised at all, because I was watching the reactions of the actors that were watching him, and they did seem genuine, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's good <laughs> trivia. Yeah. He, I'm sure he had fun doing it, too. At um, some point, Sinclair asked Garibaldi about Catherine's whereabouts and he leaves. I did like the um, when Lando said, you're cute for a Membari, and I'm cute, and everybody's cute. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, Catherine, don't if... go too far, because we're getting through something that would be great for a quote. Yes, it is my quote. Yeah. <laughs> did Was Lando throwing the role at Sinclair's head ad-libbed? Please tell me it was. <laughs> Let's just say yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> okay. That, that would make me very happy. Oh. I love that Garibaldi is cute and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Next we see Sinclair go to see Catherine. Catherine is played by Julie Nixon. She was on an episode of Castle Heidi, Hedge Fund Homeboys. I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember it. I don't specifically remember her. Yeah. She's very familiar. But she was in a few episodes with Walker, Texas Ranger, and she was on Star Trek The Next Generation, of course. Uh, Sinclair gets a call from Ivanova, but he ignores it. Catherine didn't know that Sinclair was in charge of the station, and she says that if she had known, she wouldn't have come because she keeps her promises. Uh, she offers to leave, but he says, no, we know you're here on business. Uh, he explains that she asked about Carolyn, and I'm glad they didn't just forget her. Yes, yeah, I, I enjoyed that, that there was a callback to, you know, there actually was story before. Yeah, yeah they just went their separate ways. Um, eventually he gets another call from Ivana Bun has to leave, but he wants to take Catherine to dinner and kind of get the impression they have an on-again, off-again relationship. But the, this storyline kind of bored me. I don't know. You guys can feel free to elaborate. What? I am. I'm just wondering, <laughs> yeah. what do you make of 
Catherine and, you know, a difference between her and Carolyn? I actually kind of like Catherine. It's more her and Sinclair that I don't really care about. Like, yeah. I, I've kind of found her interesting and, um, and I like the actress, but as far as this whole will they, won't they, of course they're going to thing, I, yeah, I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care for that. That's what I didn't care for. I liked her. Um, she's gorgeous. I kept staring at her eyes, but um, yeah. I it, it was hard because some of the lines that they had to read, nobody's going to do a perfect job with those, but um, <laughs> I did like her, though. I think, I mean, I, I, I assume she's going to be back. That's my assumption, so I don't mind that at all. Well, she seems a bit young as well to have been in the um, Earth Force Academy at the same time as Sinclair, mm-hmm. though, doesn't she? She does. She's just well-preserved. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> in Jakar's quarters, you see him eyeing Natoth. I love that look he was giving her. Um, <laughs> he's thinking about Kodal's suspicious death in an airlock, and he's suspicious of Natoth. Poor Kodal. She's mm. like we were saying on Facebook. Didn't even get to see her die. Yeah, yeah. It's off camera. Suspicious accident with an airlock. You have to wonder what happened there. <laughs> So Jakar explains to Natoth that Durog hired someone to kill him. She's like, you know, if it were me, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. Um, she explains that if Durog wanted the best, he would have gone to the Assassin's Guild, and their tradition is to leave a black flower near the victim as a warning so they can get their affairs in order. And that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Consider it. <laughs> kind of arrogant, too. Like, yeah, we're not worried. You're going to, you know... Stop I think us. they wanted us to think that Natoth could be the assassin, but considering they've been putting her name into credits for like no the kidding. last yeah. <laughs> five very episodes. <laughs> I'm not sure if that... Her, yeah, her name wasn't in the credits originally, or were they, Ian? Well, on these DVDs. Yeah, on uh, these DVDs. Uh, they are. I don't know about originally. Oh, I see. Okay. Maybe they weren't, <laughs> but... So when it was on TV, it might not have been so obvious. No, I remember, mm-hmm. I think some, maybe it was Shane that said that Kodos, her name was actually in the credits because she was supposed to be a regular in the show. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, so next we see Jakar wake up in his bed and he finds a black flower and he screams. I love the music they used on this, the little lullaby they had for Jakar. I loved his little yell. Like, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I like that he's like sniffing before he wakes up. It's like he can smell it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty fragrant. Makes you wonder what it smells like, you know? Yeah. Like, obviously, I mean, I mean, he didn't wake up when somebody put it there, but the smell is so overpowering that it woke him up. Yeah. So next, Natath and Jakar, they don't know how the flower get how the flower got into his bed and find out that Jakar's fascination with Earth women is well known like his leader in the pilot <laughs> he doesn't want to go to Sinclair because it could lead to revelations about his years on the council he doesn't care if anybody finds out but it could affect their um, his position on the station and their negotiation their standings in the negotiations so it's kind of like Londo doesn't want information to get out because it could affect his position are we supposed to assume that whatever we know about him already is what would get him in trouble? Or is this something that he's hinting? I mean, are we supposed to assume that he, we just don't know what he means that would get him in trouble? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
I couldn't figure out if anything he'd already said was enough to get him in trouble, or if I'm supposed to think that there's something else. I think that there's something else. Oh, okay. Six years but on the said, council. Yeah, five, yeah, like five years on the council or whatever. And he said that he had survived two prior assassination attempts, and I'm like, really? Only two? I've <laughs> 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 tried to be assassinated many times. He's, he's kind of a bastard. The lovable bastard, though. Yes, yes. I like him. So he's telling her about it because of the Earth expression about keep your friends closer and your enemies keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Maybe they stole that from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next we see the arrival of Lanier, who is Delin's aide, Lanier of the Third Vein of Jodomo. Lanier yeah. yeah. played Hamilton, by right? Mummy. I'm sorry. So I took time for you there, Elizabeth. <laughs> I said, is played by Scott Hamilton, right? The figure skater. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, somebody even more famous. Bill Mummy. He's played by Bill Mummy, who, outside of B5, he's best known as Will Robinson from Lost in Space. Ah, okay. Danger Will Robinson. And he was on an episode yeah. of DS9. I did see that while the show was still on the air. And he does a lot of work behind the camera now, right? I believe so, yeah. I know he's... A musician as well. Um, if I remember correctly, he's he's very successful in show business. It's just you know he's one of the few child actors that didn't go down the dark path, and it's kind of mm. cool. Yeah, and he's on our show. Yes, he's on Babylon Five. He found out that he was an initiate, but he was assigned to work with Delin. He calls her a Satai Delin, but she warns him not to mention the Great Council again because it could lead to questions she's not ready to answer yet. Everyone in their secrets. Yeah, so I guess I didn't have the impression before that um, that the Great Council or Satai was particularly part of like a religious theocracy, but now it seems like that because didn't we um, find out that the Great Council is like, the ruling body of the Mimbari? Yes, they are the ruling council. Ruling and if body. he's a, and if he's, what was it, an what was that term that they used? The um, he said he was an initiate. And isn't that religious? He... Yeah, initiate. Isn't that kind of or novitiate or religious initiate? Isn't that kind of religious? It does have religious term? connotations. Right. Okay. Uh, I think he can use it in other ways too, but yeah. Mm. Okay. Because it's also what he said about ca- you can't deny the council. It sounds sounded very religious, like like they were a theocracy or something. So I would like to uh, insert a prediction here because I'm afraid I'll forget it later. Um, I think that at some point Lanier is going to get Dylan in trouble. Like that either he'll forget what he's not supposed to talk about or just because he is like kind of so in awe and basically wanting to um, bow down before her almost. Um, so I think that at some point, like, he's going to let some information slip of some sort that will maybe bring out us finding out more, but also, like, the crew of Babylon 5 finding out more about Delenn. I can, I'm down with that. <clears throat> I can see that happening for sure. Okay. All right. Lanier doesn't understand why she wants to keep the council, her being on the council secret, but he'll obey because understanding is not required and... Glenn asked him about home. I was reading that he was you know, really good on the set and really great with the cast. This was his first week on there and he had some 
really good ad libs off camera on this episode. Like when she asked her about home, he said, "Well, you know, Beatlemania is back." <laughs> <laughs> they got a Pizza Hut. There was like some other stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> Next, we see Jakar goes to see Nagrath about getting protection. Yay, yeah, of course, Nagrath. And Nagrath is giving him a hard time. You know, the mighty Norn Empire need help for me. Uh, Jakar is well. He wants a bodyguard in time for the Minbari religious ceremony, and Nagrath gives him a really huge bodyguard. Have we seen that guy or some guy similar to that before? He looked like the guy in the nightclub when uh, when Londo and Sinclair went to. Um, went to find I can't remember any. Oh yeah, when Sinclair oh, was yeah, pretending yeah. to want to hire dancers. Yeah, he looked like that guy, but I'm not positive if it was. Okay, oh, no, yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I just love how Nagraf always says the same thing. Expensive. <laughs> no matter what you ask yeah. him, it's expensive. Yeah, he should be retired by now. <laughs> well, apparently everything's expensive, right? The bread, the everything on Babylon 5 is expensive so a bodyguard yeah. must be like really out there yeah well maybe it's we're not just a very not good bodyguard scenes, maybe we're not seeing the scenes where he says lovely or have to be cheap and easy <laughs> but we're already <laughs> he's got a reputation he probably gives certain people discounts but you know keeps that on the secret next we see Sinclair and Catherine have dinner and they talk about their history together and I'm just <laughs> well it seems Sinclair seems to take all his dates to fresh air doesn't he yeah, yeah. well it's the nicest yeah. restaurant so the yeah. only thing that I found important in this scene and I'm not sure if we've heard it before I don't remember hearing it before is that Sinclair has a brother oh okay yeah so that could be important could be what if his brother was on the Babylon 4 <laughs> <laughs> that and would he's be not cool. doing very well. No. no. <laughs> I think we're going to see his brother, though. Oh, well, I hope so. Well, do I, though? <laughs> maybe his, his brother <laughs> is the one with the personality. Yeah. <laughs> All the personality went to the brother. I, I can dig it. I, um, I'm kind of bored by this coupling, but at the same time, I like the idea that Sinclair, who's very stiff and rigid, has this kind of a relationship where every couple of years, if both of them are single, they somehow end up together again, and it just keeps happening. It just doesn't... It's. It seems like it's kind of in contrast to his very cold, stern mm-hmm. demeanor. It, it it shows that he does have life in there somewhere. He keeps getting a <laughs> lady, so he must have something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's <laughs> handsome. I mean, he's handsome. So, you know, and he's a commander. That's right. It's all power. Yeah. The first time I watched this, it was kind of interesting. Um, the second time was a little bit more boring. But I mean, I was, you know, I, was in, I wasn't like thrilled, but I wasn't falling asleep the first time. It was okay. I liked her, though, you know. Yeah, she's cool. <laughs> uh, next, we see the Minbari religious ceremony. It's a rebirth ceremony. And Delin is, she's going through her recitation, saying a lot of stuff. She talks about the nine and testimony to the one who will follow and death couched in the promise of new life sort of reaffirming their belief in re- reincarnation I wonder if the nine are the great council or maybe the nine are like the I don't know gods or the some old thing I don't know I just wrote it down 
No idea. Yeah, you know, I was wondering what you make of it because it mentioned several different things. As she was going through the whole thing, I was like, okay, all of this is probably important, but none of it makes any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it just sounded like a really nice, you know, reincarnation speech. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what it meant at all. I noticed something that I have never noticed before in this scene. Um, you make the thing in the Jakar's, background. Yes, Jakar switches the cherry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never noticed that. He was looking. He's cherry with the Vanavas. <laughs> he looks suspicious. Because well, he's he's afraid somebody's trying to kill him. So yeah. he's not going to give it to him. But he's yeah. got no problem switching it with a Vanava. What if she died? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody eats their fruit. Um, and when Sarah, I noticed that when Sinclair eats his, the Lynn looks like she's really happy, and she says, "And so it begins." Yeah, but that did they just get married or what? Yeah, that's my question. Are they married now? <laughs> Because there's comedy gold in all of this. I hope so. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I think maybe they did. Uh, or something. Well, given there what was said some... at the end, perhaps uh, London and Jakara are married. That'll give us great promise down the line. There was no meaningful look between No. <laughs> I mean, it could be a red herring, but, uh, you know, so it's hard to say. Man, she was looking at him hard. Next, Jakar returns to his quarters and he's upset that his bodyguard wasn't at the ceremony and it turns out that his bodyguard is dead and there's a black flower nearby. And his bodyguard wouldn't looked it, wouldn't have looked at all out of place at that ceremony. No, not at <laughs> yeah. all. Next, Garibaldi is questioning Jakar about the dead guy in his bedroom and Jakar claims that he's never seen him before. Garibaldi teases him about a pair of underwear that he finds <laughs> Jakar seems Jakara, really offended. clean your bed once in a while, please. <laughs> <laughs> so do we think they're his or some lady? <laughs> hmm. I, I think it could be either, like, you know, knowing He Jakara. was so uh, kerfuffled. He was so <laughs> no. insulted when, he, when Garibaldi made a joke about it, though. That's true. No, I think uh, Jakar would own it. No, <laughs> yeah. there Oh. Oh. <clears throat> Flash starting already. <laughs> <laughs> no way, Kodath would, would never sleep with Jakar. Come on. Yeah, she's too. Yeah, she was um, offended by him being. Yeah, when she first met him, by him being there watching the dancers. Kodath has standards. Yeah. So Garibaldi leaves. Next, we see Natath go and find Tapari, and she asks him to come with her to see Jakar. He says that he's late getting to Homeworld, but she threatens him and he agrees to come. Next, we see Catherine talking to some business associates and she finds out that the last survey, she, last planet she surveyed turned up Quantium 40 and she's entitled to a piece of the profit. Uh, they say they're going to meet her back at the hub, which I think is Earth, maybe. Um, they leave, she's happy, but she has no one to celebrate with. I was more interested in this than I was in her relationship with Sinclair. Yeah, start getting the money, or yeah, yeah. I wonder if it was, if it was just a reason for her to come to Sinclair's cabin, or if they're going to actually bring this up again. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of how I took it. Was it was just a reason, but yeah, maybe it'll come up again. So Natatha and Tupari arrive in Jakar's quarters. Jakar wants to know who gave him the data crystal, and it turns out to be Natath's father who gave it to him. Well, he or, it was the task yeah. yeah, that's what he says. 
And Tapari says the danger is closer to Jakar than he thinks. So I, I mean, I knew they were, <clears throat> I mean, I thought it was so obvious that it could be the courier that I thought maybe they were just, I don't know, punking us or something. And I was trying to figure out who it could be because I didn't think it was in the top. And so I was like, is it going to be Catherine? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out what clever, you know, uh, assassin they would, would turn out to be. But no, it just turned out to be that guy. That was disappointing. So next, Catherine arrives in Sinclair's quarters because she wants to share her good news with someone. And they talk more about their you know, history together. And uh, he gets a call and she starts to leave, but he stops her. <laughs> he says, don't touch me unless you mean it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've used <laughs> that line before on, as a... Yeah, I've used that line before. It's just kind of a joke, but I don't know if I got <laughs> it from this show or if it's just a common phrase. And yeah, the person you said it to had never seen Babylon 5 and was like, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they kiss yeah, him. Be- yeah, before all of that happens, you find he's into audiobooks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I prefer yeah. Kipling myself. <laughs> and he's got a, his own Earth Force issue dressing gown. <laughs> Next, we see Jakar speaking to Homeworld, and he demands a new attache. And he's informed that the courier that was sent to him met with an accident before he left for Babylon 5. And that's when we realize that Tupari is the assassin. Okay, that shot, like when that scene ends and he's got his, I don't know, whatever he stunned him with, and the look on his face, he looks like, I don't know, like Freddy Krueger. I'm just, he was like from a horror movie in that, (laughs) just that one shot. I was like, oh my gosh, that was freaky. Uh, Yeah, I wrote the courier had an amazing smile when he shot (laughs) Jakar. It was, it was great. I laughed. He's into his job, you know? Really? Yeah. He enjoys it way too much. He does. Next, we see Catherine and Sinclair in bed, and they talk about how they're making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a break. You know. Write this scene down. I know. Elsewhere, we see Tapari has Jakar connected to some pain givers, some really odd-looking devices. Uh, Tapari's been ordered to make Jakar no pain, no fear, and then kill him at the required hour. Jakar, of course. Yeah. Can't just kill him right away. Let, they have to let him be rescued. Jakar offers to double Tapari's price, but he won't betray a commission because that, he would be killed if he did that. Next, we see Natoth arrive in Jakar's quarters. She doesn't find him, but she... She sees that something's broken, and she reestablishes contact with Jakar's last transmission. Next, we see Tapari torture Jakar some more, and that's when Natop arrives. It turns out she found him by figuring out which transport tube was suddenly broken down. She claims to be Tapari's backup, but Tapari doesn't believe that. She beats Jakar, but it turns out she was just hitting him enough to disable the pain givers. And when Jakar is free, he knocks Tapari unconscious. Well, I really like Natoth in this scene. Um, this is when I started really liking her. 
Um, but she totally kicked him in the stomach a couple times. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the actress was very insistent on doing her own stunts, and um, as a consequence, during the scene where she attacks Jakar, she accidentally threw a hard kick directly into one of the cameras. Oh. <laughs> oh. Last time she does her own stunts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really liked Natas in the scene too. I mean, like we we get to see that she's really clever, she's really smart, and she can hold her own. And and of course, this kind of builds the the relationship between um, Natas and Jakar, and I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Heidi, Heidi, hey. John, what happened to you? You look awful. Uh, I I had an accident, but I'll be okay. Listen, I. Where have you been? You're late for recording. That's what I wanted to tell you. Listen, I was hanging a clock in the bathroom, and I slipped, and I hit my head on the toilet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, I, I blacked out for a bit. When I came to, I had an epiphany. You know that show on ABC, Castle? I, what? You know, Castle. It's that murder mystery show starring Nathan Fillion. Everyone loves it. Come on, keep up. I'm familiar with it, yes. Okay, well, I was thinking... You may want to sit down for this. I am sitting. Oh, well, then I'll sit. I was thinking we should do a podcast about Castle. You're kidding, right? No, I'm serious. We could do a weekly podcast wherein we talk about the latest news involving the series, its cast and crew. John? Follow that with a recap and review of the latest episode with emails, voicemails, and a Twitter poll. John? And you know what else? We can even have a music appreciation segment featuring actual score pieces from the show by its composer, Robert Duncan. Seriously, John? Then we can wrap up the show with spoilers. John. Yes? We already have a Castle podcast. Really? Yes, really. It's called CastleCast.net. Don't you remember? Ooh, good name. We should grab it before someone else does. Oh, for the love of... What? You got a better idea? Maybe you should go to the hospital. I think you might have a concussion. Don't be silly. I'm fine. What I should really do right now is go make some album art for the podcast in iTunes. Bam, said the lady. Castlecast.net, the original fan podcast all about the ABC series Castle. Hey, Heidi, you'll never guess what I saw outside just now. A double rainbow. Yep, definitely a concussion. Next, we see Jakar and Natal speaking to Jakari. They deposited some money into his personal account to make it seem like he betrayed his commission and said the Assassin's Guild are probably on their way there. They put him on a transport and send him on his way. Yeah, just playing with him. This is another scene that really builds their relationship. It's it's not a little back and forth going on. Mm -hmm. They make a good team and... She's. It's not like uh, they're because I like Kodoth because she was grumpy, but Natoth seems pretty um, peppy, so it'll make a good contrast. I, I like. To, I want to see them team up a lot. Yeah, and uh, and having that with Jakar since he's usually on the outs with everyone, mm-hmm. it's nice to see that for him and kind of get to see a different side of his character. Yeah. He's got a friend. Yeah, they seem. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they seem they're you know walking away laughing, and they come across in Claire and Catherine. Catherine has a survey to complete before she's gonna make her way back to the station. 
And she explains that the Minbari rebirth ceremony also doubles as a marriage ceremony depending on how seriously it was taken. Someone may have gotten married and they share a kiss and she leaves. Um, so it was played as a joke. So I, that's why I'm not sure what, I mean, they said it and there was some significant looks going on between Delenn and Sinclair. But it was just played off as such a joke that, you know, it's hard to tell what's going to happen. Well, I'll make the prediction. Delenn and Sinclair are married. Well, that that's what I thought, too. But, I mean, it's just so weird how they would make a joke about it. But, oh my god, did they have to live together? <laughs> what, what's Catherine going to do? This is part yeah, of the ultimate gonna do? Yeah, it's, yeah, I wonder, like, what that means, marriage. And I guess we'll find out for them. Like, does that mean they get to... I don't know. That's just weird. Do Lunar and Ivanova have to get married as well? <laughs> <laughs> Who and Ivanova? Lanier. You know, both this. <laughs> second, the second, you know. As I said, let the slash begin. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we see the ambassadors are waiting for Sinclair's demonstration of Earth's dominant belief system. He arrives, uh, takes them into a room, and he goes down the line and introduces them to representatives of various religions on Earth. I always like this scene, even though it's kind of, well, it's I just, like it. yeah, I like it. It's just, you know, how did, were all these people already on the station and he just rounded them up or what? Yeah, because yeah, it didn't I, seem like he knew what he was going to do. And then, yeah. and he's good with names, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he remembered everybody's <laughs> name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I figured they had to, had to, I knew they, when they said atheist first, I was wondering about that. And then I figured they had to put that in there because then people would be like, what, everybody has a religion? You know, I just, yeah, it was interesting to see how that was yeah, going. Um, so, some people have an argument here saying, you know, it was meant to be a demonstration of dominant religion. He should, should have picked one, uh, most people say should pick Christianity because that's what's dominant now. My argument is, well, you don't know what's happened in the past 200 years. So, mm -hmm. You know, Christianity could have become a lot less popular and, you know, religion may be a lot more personal in 200 and something years' time than it is right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. Why? Okay. I, yeah, I completely disagree that even today they, they should have picked a dominant religion. I mean, that's right. just... Well, and, I mean... Like you could maybe narrow it down to I don't know the top ten or something, but mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Ian, I like that. That you know, it's so far in the future, so who knows how how things could have split up, you know? Yeah, that actually has to do with uh, one of the nitpicks that people have about this scene, because Ivanova shakes the hand of an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, and currently in today's culture, uh, they are not supposed to shake hands with women. But JMS said, well, you know, things changed in the Orthodox religion since 1760. Who's to say it's not going to change in the future? That may change. So mm -hmm. you have no idea what's going to happen. And I yeah. thought that was really cool. It's nice that they have those loopholes that they can use, you know, for yeah. things that they do wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I think it goes with this whole idea of we don't know what people's religions are going to be like in the future. I mean, if you exactly. look at current politics right now, religion has so much to do with it. There could be an entire backlash in reaction to that. And people could, you know, that go more towards um, uh, uh, more 
older religions. You know, for instance, they had the shaman from the Yupik tribe and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. Course, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you've encountered aliens up to this point. What impact does that have on religion when you find out there's oh, yeah. well, definite other alien races out there? Yeah, I was going to say that I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people from Earth have adopted alien religions, you know? Like maybe mm-hmm. they like what they have to say and yeah i mean why how how would that not shatter you know or at least shake your belief system to find out that there's all these other races and <clears throat> so oh that was the episode well cal sinclair keeps getting these pretty cool scenes at the end of episodes um, uh some notes the original title of this episode was carnival um so can anyone explain the parliament of dreams yeah, um, start on the lurkers guy. Parliament is a gathering of representatives, and the dreams are the different belief systems. So if they keep having these uh, veiled episode titles, like even after I've seen the episode, I can't tell what it is. How am I supposed <laughs> to predict anything? <laughs> yeah. I'm All not by sure. accident. When we get to next week's uh, episode predictions, I think you might find it a bit easier. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe it's is it called honeymoon? <laughs> it's called divorce court or something. I don't know. <laughs> this episode won an Emmy for outstanding individual makeup, individual achievement in makeup for a series. And this is the actual two-year anniversary of B5 going online. It's about six months after Kosh arrived on the station. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were worried about the ratings for this episode because it went up against the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding face-off in the Winter Olympics after oh, wow. that incident. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I could tell you what I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for notes. How about we head, how about we do our quotes of the week? Any quotes? I think this one is packed full of quotes, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll yeah. start off. Uh, Natal says, Ambassador, it's not my place to speculate on how anything gets into your bed. <laughs> okay, well, Love I've it. got a Jakar one. This is Ambassador Jakar's quarters. This is Ambassador Jakar's <laughs> table. This is Ambassador Jakar's dinner. Which part of this progression ex- escapes your, your notice? Sorry, I'm messing up. Every week I'm messing things up. <laughs> you have to, like, scream the word dinner, Ian. Dinner! oh man that was great okay well I'm gonna take it and I loved this quote everybody's cute everybody's cute even me but in purple I'm stunning (laughs) Uh, you've got to finish that uh, Ah, no because that's my quote (laughs) go ahead Ah, he's become one with himself he's passed out yeah that too (laughs) Any others? Um, <clears throat> and let me just say, Ambassador, from the bottom of my heart, hot pink is definitely your color. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have the one uh, from the end. Chikar starts out, but if they do, you will know pain, and then Natal, and you will know fear, and then back to Jakar, and then you will die. Have a pleasant flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um... I do love uh, Natal. Thing where he, he's accusing her of being the assassin and I don't have it verbatim but it's basically if I were the assassin you would not be alive right now yeah 
Please, Catherine, I don't mean to alarm you, but your pads are talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if that's it, let's move on to our characters of the week. Who's our human of the week? Any nominations? This one was so difficult. Um, I, uh, I almost want to say Ivanova because I enjoyed her being so happy and drunk. Yeah, that's who I went with. <laughs> that's mine too. Yeah. <laughs> so smiley and happy. Even at the end, uh, during the earth ceremony, she was very happy and smiley. Yeah, I'd be happy to go for that. Although technically, if we're doing it on importance to the episode, Catherine should get it because this is her introduction episode, but I prefer Ivanova to get it, really, to be honest. <laughs> That's fine with me, yeah. Okay, how about Alien of the Week? I know who I want to go with, but I'll let you say first. I would say Natal. Yep, me too. I was going to say Takar, but we can go for Natal. Yeah, the fact I'm that I don't hate her is good. I'm torn uh, between Natoth and uh, the Praying Mantis. <laughs> Just because I love him. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to call it for Natoth. Uh, next we'll move into episode rating. You want to start us off, Nettie? Oh boy. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that I enjoy this episode. It's a good solid episode for the first season. It... Uh, I do enjoy the fact that we get to look at the different religions. I love the whole assassin hunt with Jakar. I love Jakar. I think Jakar is a fantastic character. Uh, so I am going to give this eight household gods out of ten. Cool. Cool. How about you, Heidi? I also really liked this one. Um, maybe it's because it was so much better than last time. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, I I had said that I thought that we would soon get a Jakar story, and I was really glad that we did. He um, kind of developed as a character more, and that was nice. And I really liked seeing all the different belief systems um, of the different races. So I went with an 8.5 out of 10 Death Blossoms. Nice. Sorry about my doorbell. <clears throat> I think it's just somebody leaving flyers or something. I stole my writing. Okay, Elizabeth. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I like this one. Um, I liked how we had more of the ambassadors, and I liked learning a little bit more about their religious beliefs. I mean, we didn't get too much more information, but it was fun to see. Um, I like the focus on Jakar because I do like Jakar. I think he's funny, and he's an interesting character because... He brings conflict wherever he goes. Um, I I didn't hate the Sinclair Catherine stuff, but um, it wasn't like something that I was super interested in. Um, but I did like the episode, um, so I'm going to give it um, 7.5 parts passion out of 10 parts tea. Nice. How about you, Ian? Yeah, well, I enjoyed this episode. Maybe it's just coming off infection, but it's such... And really good episode that you get to, um, as you guys have said, the alien religions a bit. And, um, I think what, uh, tempered me a bit during the discussion is, you know, the Catherine Sakai and Sinclair stuff. Yeah, it does bring the episode down a bit. Uh, but all in all, it's a nice episode with a good Jakar plot and, 
Natos a nice character and you immediately grow to like her at the end of this so I'm going to give it um, seven and a half hot pink underwears <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay as for me yeah I really like this episode well much better than the last one Infection uh, since Claire stuff really brought it down for me but I like the religious celebrations I love Natoth so I'll give this episode seven out of half dead bodyguards okay. cool so that's a pretty good team what's yes, our average it's our, it's our average score is 7.8 so now it's our highest rated episode cool. cool neat yeah so now let's go to feedback i think we have some emails yeah we got another one um so i added it in there okay so first email is from bob who wants to read bob's email i will do that um bob right hi down below and nutty I wasn't horribly interested in the assassination plot. I knew instantly that it was the courier when he said that the killer was closer than Jakar might think. But I still liked the episode because of the character development. Jakar was sympathetic and a singer. Mm-hmm. Londo was hilarious, being rowdy enough to pass out on the table, and Ivanova was drunk and laughing. On the downside, Sinclair is too wooden for love scenes. I had complained about it before, but I think I preferred Londo with a girlfriend to Sinclair. Uh, that's where we differ, Bob. <laughs> I don't know. I agree with Bob. I love Londo with his girlfriend. Yeah, I thought it was cute. Maybe if we don't have to see them kissing or anything like that with his eyes open. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thanks. Um, our next email is from Yan, who wants to read. It's really long, so. Um, I'll read it. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, fellow lurkers. After all, the podcast is called Down Below, where the lurkers are. Some feedback on Parliament of Dreams. This episode is a lot better than Infection. Yes, it is. You may have missed the aliens last week. This week compensates quite a bit. Londo and Veer, Shakar and, and No Kodoth, but Natoth, Delenn, and finally we meet Lanier. Both plot lines were entertaining and told us something about the three alien races, Membari, Centauri, and Narn. So what did we learn? The Centauri are polytheists. As Londo says, gods by the bushel, gods by the pound, gods for all occasions. And they celebrate a lot with a fair amount of alcohol. I love that little exchange. Veer. He has become one with his inner self. Garibaldi. He's passed out. Veer. That too. <laughs> and it looks like the Centauri homeworld once had two different races, but the Zon are extinct. Hmm. Genocide. Did any of you newcomers notice the statuette of the goddess of passion? Um, the one he kissed on the butt? It's not the, the one with the that's tentacles. The oh, did she have tentacles? Oh my god, I didn't even notice. I just noticed the butt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, we meet Lanier, aide for Ambassador Delenn. I love the scene where Delenn asks, no, orders Lanier to, to look up and never mention her title, Satai, or the Grey Council. The little remark that he would be forever walking into things. The ceremony of rebirth does tell us a bit about Membari, much more serious in the Centauri. And... Delenn said, will you follow me into fire, into storm, into darkness, into death? The nine said yes, and more words, then finally, and so it begins. What we did not know at that time was that the rebirth ceremony, with the red fruit, doubles as a marriage ceremony. Should we wonder who got married? What about the Narn? They have a ruling body, and apparently Jakar is close to the top of Narn society, much like Delenn. Jakar apparently likes to cook and sing. The assassination plot may be relatively standard, but I love humorous elements of this one. Yeah, me too. 
This ambassador Jakar's oh, okay. Um this is Ambassador Jakar's quarters. This is Ambassador Jakar's table and dinner. What part of this progression escapes you? Jakar's expression at the rebirth ceremony is so much fun. And I love the final payback to the assassin. You two newcomers, have you noticed how fantastic Andreas Katsulas' acting is? Right through the makeup. Yes, mm-hmm. he's great. Yes. The subplot with Catherine Sakai is nice, but nothing much to write about. I did like the performances of the two in the awkward scene when they meet. I don't mean to alarm you, but your pants are talking to you. And then, just dinner. Yeah, right, we believe that, don't we? And finally, I like Sakara's solution to presenting the dominant belief system on Earth. There is none, so what to do? Yes, say hello to diversity. Did you notice that the first person is an atheist? Yes, we did. FYI, JMS has declared himself an atheist, although he is extremely knowledgeable about all kinds of myths and religions. Favorite human, Sinclair. Favorite alien, Jakar, with fear as a close second. Favorite quote, you will know pain, you will know fear, and then you will die. Have a pleasant flight. Score for this episode, 8 out of 10 on the Lurker scale. The voice from down below, the Babylon Lurker, a.k.a. Jan from Denmark, signing out. P.S. I am so looking forward to the next episode. You will find out why. Well, so am I now. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Jan. Thank you so much. And our last email is from Mitch from Omaha, who wants to take that one. Okay, I'll take it, and hopefully I won't mess it up. Uh, No promises, Mitch. Hey, Lurkers, just finished listening to your Infection podcast, and I had a few comments. First up is about the budget. B5's budget averaged out about $800,000 per episode. (laughs) We can... We can compare that directly with Star Trek, TNG, and DS9, which were on air at the same time. Star Trek's budget was between 2.5 and 3 million dollars per episode. Right, that's that. That is a major difference. Joe was able to do wonders with that money. One of the ways he was able to keep costs down was that the cast contracts, for the most part were spread out between 8 and 16 episodes per season. Because there is such a large cast, large cast, sorry, it's usually something that wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily, necessarily notice. I can't pronounce that word. (laughs) Infection is the very rare example of all of the aliens being gone. This may have been because it was the first episode filmed and they were still working on the new makeup designs, Mm. though that's just a guess. I won't say when exactly, but it will be a very long time before every person who is in the opening credits appears in the same episode. About Sinclair, an episode or two back, there was a lengthy discussion about what you called Sinclair's hero complex. I think this is where you've started to see that maybe it isn't a hero complex at all, but more of a death wish brought on by PS, PS, PTSD. And certainly it doesn't help that he has a hole in his mind and desperately wants to know what that means. It was nice to see Marianne Kramer, not because she's a fabulous character or even that interesting, but because we're seeing that ISN is taking an interest in Babylon 5. The station is located in a specific fixed point in space. They can't necessarily have the characters showing up on Earth all the time. 
telling us what's going on there, but we're able to get some idea of what's happening there through ISN and the occasional universe today. I had the opportunity to meet David McCullum last year. David played Franklin's mentor, Dr. Hendricks, in this episode, and he was every bit as charming as you would imagine. He didn't realise it at the time that they were filming the first episode of the series, as all of the actors were terrific, and the crew got along like a well-oiled machine. He had such a great time working on the series that when JMS called him up later for a role in another series, Jeremiah, he took the part without reading the script. Didn't know that. I look forward to hearing your review of Parliament of Dreams, Mitch from Omaha. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you, Mitch. And I hope you uh, were bearing with me whilst I read your email there. Yeah, that was good stuff. Well, thanks for feedback, everybody. If you want to send in your feedback, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. Yes, and please, if you like it and you have iTunes, um, if you give us an iTunes review, it helps us, I think, move up in the queue. Um, so. Okay. Shane, I've done it. Again, Paul, then open the window. There's no need to announce it. No, not that. I've invented a machine that can erase our memory of Red Dwarf so we can watch it for the first time. Again. Really? Is it safe? Completely. Although you might... Also forget how to read, write, and do math. I'm a politician, I don't need any of that. Also, it would probably make your head explode. And ruin my hair? No. Let's just find a lovely American couple who have barely even heard of Red Dwarf to watch the show with us. That will be the next best thing to seeing it for the first time. Hi, I'm Angela. This is my husband, Heath. What are you doing in my house? Well, we're just your everyday American couple wandering about looking for someone who feels like watching a show we've barely even heard of with us. Maybe recording a podcast about it. Hmm, that's really convenient. And you can listen in on the fun with the Red Dwarf intro cast. Check us out on iTunes, Facebook, and Twitter. So let's talk about our next episode. The next episode, the title is Mind War, and we'll be joined by Bob DeGrand. But any predictions about Mind War? Uh, first of all, yay, Bob! Um, let's yay. see. Bob's awesome. Mind War. Um, maybe, uh, since clearly Delenn and Sinclair are now married, <laughs> um, <laughs> Delenn uh, can go into his mind. <laughs> I'm totally just throwing something He's out there. going to plug that hole in his mind. <laughs> Mm. It, it's gotta have something to do with the hole in his mind. <laughs> um, mind war. Uh, okay, do they I'm, have to I'm... consummate the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna go completely away from the hole in Sinclair's mind because we have not seen Talia for a while, oh. and. I'm going to go with that it has something to do with her, and maybe we'll learn more about her psychic abilities, and she hasn't really had an episode yet, so maybe maybe this is hers. That could be cool. Yeah, we haven't seen her in a couple episodes now. Mm-hmm. And she's really just been used as like kind of a, a way to help move other plots along, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's going on with Kosh? It seems like they they started out making him seem like this really important character, and we have barely heard anything from him so far this season. 
I'm just curious um, what's going on there. He's probably been formed into some mystical key and he's parading as a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be it. He was there well, all along. He's going to appear in season six of Buffy. <laughs> season five, please. Yeah. Um, let's see. Mind war. It's just mind war, not mind wars. Yeah, just war singular. War. Yeah. Hmm. There's a war in your or mind. Or maybe, um, maybe some the hole in his mind is now giving him problems, and he has like a breakdown, a mental breakdown, and Delenn has to do something to fix it. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, Any other predictions? Now, so. Yeah. Any other <laughs> predictions for mind war? I can't believe that somebody could get married against their will, though. Um. It's happened, I hope we man. find out one way or the other whether they're married or not in the next episode. That happens on a lot of TV shows. Yeah, though, so like I was going to say. go to different cultures and they don't realize that, oh, that was a wedding ceremony. You're married Yeah, now. that is kind of a trope. Happened on Firefly, didn't it? Yeah, it definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Happened um, on um, Red Dwarf 2. Well, that was kind of consensual, but yeah. Uh, oh, an but- unintentional marriage, yeah. But on um, Firefly, did it really happen, or is that just what Yosef Bridge said happened? Well, hmm. That's, Thoughts yeah. were still flying. No, I was trying to remember. <laughs> How did that really happen? I don't remember. Well, yeah, River could turn up on the station. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing crossover from the future. That would be great. Uh, what else? What else? Um. Well, I don't know. I hope that Jakar and Toph get up to some more shenanigans. And, um... Yeah, I would like to see more of the size. Uh, I'd like to see... I, again, I really want to see an evil side, but that's just my personal wish. I hope... Yeah, I hope I hope it's something to do with uh, the hole in Sinclair's mind, because they keep saying something about it, and, and I just want to know. So... So you think uh, Catherine's going to show up again, Heidi? I do. I think we'll see her. Um, yeah. Which I'm, yeah, like I'm okay with her being a character and coming back in and everything, but as long as she has story separate from just being with Sinclair. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. I'd like to see, maybe she becomes like a, I don't know, maybe her money somehow factors into that, you know? Um, yeah. And I really don't want to get too attached to anybody because they could just throw them out the airlock. So (laughs) (laughs) my heart has been heart hardened. (laughs) I'm not bitter or anything. (laughs) Last week we had, um, we had guests from resurrection cast and we had a almost Cylon on the last episode. She's been (laughs) airlocked by, um, Roslyn. Oh yeah. Well, the crossovers everywhere yeah yeah i guess i don't know this this episode didn't give us too much to speculate on other than the marriage and then Catherine showing up um it didn't even give us anything about um we'll see okay was it the last was it was it infection that was filmed first then yeah that was filmed first okay but it was written to be where it was right i think so yeah okay okay because we haven't heard anything again about the um you know, racism or whatever. It was like, it was like weird because it was like, there's this growing, um, antagonism towards, uh, alien races. And the next episode is, <laughs> we have an order to celebrate <laughs> alien religion. So it's kind of weird. 
All right. So, Nutty, tell us where we can find you out there on the web. You can find me and links to me pretty much all over the internet by going to nimlas.org, N-I-M-L-A-S.org. I am the host and producer of the Nutty Bites podcast where we debate geeky topics and highlight things that are awesome. I am a co-host on Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast, which yes. will be coming back as soon as the show starts up again. I am a frequent co-host on Epic, another geeky podcast, and a frequent co-host on Run For Your Life, a psychobilly and rock music podcast. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for coming. You have awesome. to come back sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I intend to. I love Babylon 5, so <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, Glad you enjoyed it. I, I, I've been like biting my lip throughout recording this because there's so many things that I can't say because there's newbies. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I didn't realize how much stuff was in here as a, a you know, rewatching after seeing almost all of the series, you realize, oh my gosh, there is so much in here that you didn't realize was there. Yeah, I'm it's getting that sense because there's an email like last week or the week before where somebody was talking about how much, you know, what we pick up on, what we don't. And I guess it just seems like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff being laid down. Yeah, in a way, you two have um, been prepared in a very odd way because at the time this was produced, this was the first of its kind. But since then, other shows have taken the format and you're already trained to look for the clues Mm -hmm. in the early series. Whereas when this first went out, Jamesh put, was putting everything in place, but people were trained yet to pick them up. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today because I think it was pretty obvious who the assassin was. But in you know 1994, we have picked up on it so easily. Hmm. But also, there's a different way of watching it too. Like when I'm just watching something, I am totally not paying attention to all this stuff. Yeah. But. Yeah, when you're supposed to be talking about it for an hour and a half, then, you know, every little thing yeah. has so much meaning. <laughs> so, cue it's, the wild speculation. It's kind <laughs> of neat because I wa- I listen to a lot of intro casts, and most intro casts, they're for shows that are 10 years or longer. And you constantly get people saying, oh, well, this is what it was like at that time, so we'll forgive them for this. And I don't think that you're really doing that in Down Below. Like, I don't remember you guys saying well this is just completely hard to believe oh but this is what tv was like in the 90s you know that that excuse hasn't come up and it's it's kind of neat yeah i think the only thing we've really said that about is the special effects which were actually pretty good Mm -hmm. yeah i honestly i've i've been saying for years that i would love to see a re-release of the dvds with upgrade updated uh graphics in the space stuff you know all the space station the the plane, plane, sorry, the ships and everything. It would be really neat. But if you think about it, I mean, it, it still does hold up pretty well. And I love Definitely. that it was shot in full format, even though nobody did that back then. Right. My yeah, DVDs was, look great. I think one yeah, of the reasons they're saying they can't bring uh, Blu-rays out is because they've got to remake all the special effects. Ah, but yeah, that's that would a, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like what they're doing now with Star Trek. I wish... Warner Brothers would do that with B5, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Yeah, Will, you really need to listen to the JMS interview on um, the uh, Babylon Project podcast because he 
it gives a great little bit of story information about the release of the VHSs and what Warner Brothers are saying at the moment about the DVDs and stuff. Mm. Oh, neat. Yeah, my only complaint of watching Babylon 5 when I did was, all right, the, the Amiga Toaster graphics, it's a bit dated, and what is with the uniforms? They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they look at so At least they're not onesie Somebody, jumpsuits. Um, leather accessories. Yes, <laughs> to both of you. <laughs> <laughs> the hair is pretty fun. True, yes. When when you've watched all of the the episodes, you need to go back and listen to the commentaries, by the way, because yeah. the commentaries were done so much later, and the actors just totally goof and make fun of each other and themselves. <laughs> you know, you've got uh, the guy that plays Garibaldi just talking about, oh my gosh, look how much hair I had. <laughs> and uh, Ivanova talking about her eyebrows. She's like, whoa, what is with those eyebrows? Why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was this before some of the cast members passed away? Did we get some? Because Sinclair, Franklin, and Jakar all passed away. Right. right. Um, I think it's before. I know it's definitely before um, Sinclair passed away. Because he yeah, passed away. I've um, listened to one recently, actually. Yeah, one in the later series has Franklin in it. So. Frank, um, yeah, the guy who plays Franklin, although he's passed away now, did actually do some of the commentaries. And he was oh, the good. first of the cast to pass away, right? Believe so. No, I think it was Andreas Katsuras who died first. Yeah, they were, I think, around the same time. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, hmm. yeah that'll be fun. Someday. <laughs> I haven't heard any other commentaries, just the one for The Gathering, so it'll be fun. Listen to the funny thing is, I haven't watch the gathering yet <laughs> i just skipped well, it uh, aaron said you don't have to watch it because everything that they talk about they end up covering in the series anyway so i just skipped it yeah and you've got our uh, podcast we've done on it you've got the yes. um podcast you listened to a few years ago on it you don't need to watch it exactly well thank you for joining us everybody that's all we've got join us next week for mind war until then take care goodbye Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'm thinking of thinking of calling her right after my afternoon nap. I'm thinking of thinking of sending her flowers right after Bonnie gets back. So many fishies left in the sea. So many fishies. But no one for me. I'm thinking of thinking of hooking a love. Soon after supper is done. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.